Welcome to Who's That Girl, a new girl podcast. I'm Kritika. And I'm Kelly. And today we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 10, The Story of the 50. So this episode originally aired January 17th, 2012. So we've actually made it out of 2011 uh, because it's the beginning of the new year uh, for season one. The writer of this episode was Love Rock, which was the same as uh, episode seven, Bells. And the director was Troy Miller. Um, And Troy is a American film producer, director, screenwriter, and he's best known for his uh, work in comedy. And he's actually been um, nominated for 15 Emmy awards and actually produced and directed over a hundred different like movies shows and like even award shows himself so he's he's been around the block so they say uh but this episode the story of the 50 it's schmidt's 29th birthday and his birthday party isn't going exactly to his plan so jess doesn't really want schmidt to feel down and she plans a surprise birthday party on a party bus and his invites his friends all his douchebag friends uh to the party and has that party has its share of interesting moments we also are meeting nick's new girlfriend julia who is a lawyer and also seems to have some hidden anger management issues so getting into like schmidt's world so kelly kind of mentioned that his friends are kind of douchebags and we all know schmidt's kind of a douchebag as we've been having um conversations about like schmidtisms and stuff like that but i think one of the things that kind of stood out to me as like wow this world is so different than mine is when Nick is sitting there saying, like, oh, they shorten all their words to one syllable. Like, obviously it becomes obs, and airport becomes airp, and ketchup becomes catch. And I was like, how do you even know what you're even saying anymore? Yeah, I actually, I think actually, real quick, I think it was instead of obvious becomes obs, although that's totally believable. I think he said ovens becomes ofs, which is even more ridiculous. No, it's even more ridiculous. So I'm, I'm, obs is totally something Schmidt would say, though. I'm, I'm there. Like, he would. But then I'm with you because, like, I'm with you, and then it's also, like, how do they even know what they're saying? Yes, but then I feel like because I've seen New Girl and because I've seen Schmidt and, like, he's so ridiculously silly, I feel like sometimes for me, I've shortened words for things and just to, like, my husband or, like, you know, close friends and whatnot, and people are just like, okay, Kelly. You know, like, I'm doing it because I think it's funny with myself, you know? But it's 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 really one of those Schmidt moments that you're, you shouldn't really take, take what you know from Schmidt, but I thought it was just so, so clever. Um, yeah. <laughs> at, at some point though, you don't really know what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, okay. See, the confusion is obviously right there because like you called out, it is oven. It is not obviously. And how would you know? Like, what would you use for obviously then? Like, how do you communicate? <laughs> In Schmidt's world, I guess we don't know. I mean, I mean, Nick, even was trying to tell Jess. I mean, like, one of the other things, too, is that, like, you know, he attended a bros before hose on the moon party with a yacht player dress code. And you're just like, not only how do they communicate, but, like, how does anyone know what to show up to look like? Like, do you dress kind of like a bro? Or do you dress like you're on a yacht or, like, an astronaut? Like, I have no idea what I would do if I got invited to that party either. Um, Yacht Blair to me is kind of some sort of upscale party, but past that, I really don't know what I would wear to this. Like, I mean, I don't think you'd dress up like an astronaut, though. Definitely that's not where I think we'd go. No, I, I don't know that that, that fits that. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was really silly that like, even um, even Nick was trying to tell Jess, like, you're not mentally, emotionally, or spiritually ready prepared for this how to throw these douchebags a party or like these d-bags a party and I I at least love Jess's optimism where she's just like I'm gonna go do some research and you know she just wasn't it wasn't phasing her it didn't seem to bother bother Jess but like I think Nick was totally right that like there's just some capacity to Schmidt's world that the general public is just not gonna follow yeah she like goes in and like part of her research is obviously going to talk to Schmidt and like figuring out like what why this party is so important and we get a little glimpse into like his friendship with Benjamin which seems like a very toxic friendship yeah uh unfortunately Benjamin in the series so far like he was in the first episode and was the one like really antagonizing Schmidt over this wild west party or wild wild west party but then 
in this episode, it's it's really not much better. Um, they, I mean, Schmidt kind of describes themselves as like being, you know, bronemies or fremesis. I think the like more commonly coined term is frenemies. Um, that's how I've heard it. But Schmidt being Schmidt came up with his own terms to replace a term. Uh, but yeah, I kind of felt that that was um, very true for what they were. Because like, I don't, and I don't even know that I would call them like, the friend part of those statements like I would just say that they were maybe kind of more enemies and nemesis and like kind of just out to get each other or more like Benjamin is a bully and Schmidt is the victim and doesn't know that he's the victim yeah well and and, well and to me it's like they cut back to that clip of them driving to college together and like so we're kind of getting the backstory of Schmidt and Benjamin and like why they are friends or like frenemies or whatever and like why they're still together uh, as like interacting with each other but then thinking about it it's like schmidt is turning 29 and so if they in theory graduated on time like to college they would have that would have been eight years ago that they would have finished college but the clip of them is like going to college together so they've known each other a really long time but like i guess i'm i'm i find it kind of surprising to me at least that they are still trying to like hang out and Schmidt's still being influenced by him while he's like he's turning 29 I'm just like why keep that person around so long I think it's because he doesn't recognize it as a toxic friendship he just sees it as like he has his own insecurities about a lot of that stuff and I think he felt lucky to be friends with someone like Benjamin which all of us as the audience know that it's not great to be friends with someone like Benjamin but Schmidt doesn't feel that way because he's he's trying to like just I don't know like he calls himself he's like the reason I became a Los Angeles baller is because of Benjamin right like he attributes all of that to Benjamin and so it's hard to see like a lot of people don't recognize toxic friendships until it gets to the point where you can't really bear it and I don't know that in this episode we actually got to a point where Schmidt was like no, I don't want you in my life. But I think he did at least start to recognize that like, okay, maybe this isn't the person that I need. Like, I wouldn't want around my friends. And if I don't want them around my friends, maybe it'll get him to think about that a little deeper. It doesn't really seem healthy, you know, overall. And I think you're right that like, he doesn't really tell him off this episode, but he really is having a moment of like, you know, is this, is this, really the kind of friend that I want you know he's realizing his 20s is almost over and like trying to have a moment with Benjamin and he just quickly changes the topic you know and we're we're gonna talk about why he changed that topic topic a little later but like Schmidt is just really trying to connect with his friend that like he's known for eight plus years that like is not getting it in return and Schmidt changes like a bunch of things about himself like he actually lists them out about like because of Benjamin he's like yeah like I lost weight I changed my clothes I dropped my voice half an octave and you're like Schmidt, what is Benjamin doing for you? Like, you're doing all these things, and, like, if you're doing them for yourself, that's one thing, but if you're doing them for somebody else, that's not a great, like, situation to be in. Like, I felt bad for Schmidt. Yeah, just with Benjamin, too, overall, like, I mean, not only is he toxic with Schmidt, like, he's toxic with Jess, you know? And, like, just toxic with Schmidt's friends, you know? It's Schmidt's birthday party, and... And Benjamin is talking about how he's going to go hook up with Jess because like Schmidt's not hitting that. So then it becomes like, he even says something so stupid too. Like, like, and it's like, okay, we're trying to make the point that Benjamin's a douche, but it's also like cringy because you're just like, he goes ditch with the zero and get with the hero. The hero's my penis. And you're just like, ew, like, who does that line work on? Like, you're using it so confidently. Like, yeah, this works with all the girls. And you're like, uh, no. Not at all. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's not. It No. So, you know, this whole party for Schmidt's 29th, like, it starts off because Schmidt loses his party bus to something that Frankie Munoz is throwing. But it had the state-of-the-art sound system, the stripper pole, the love grotto, and a steering wheel in the shape of a boob, and you honk the nipple. And you're just like, what? It, what? Number one. What? Number two. Ugh. And number three. Like, how do you have a love grotto in a bus? Like, what does that look like? I don't think I want to know what it looks like. Considering, like, what Schmidt's world is like, I'm out. So, like, the stripper pole that you were calling out, right? Like, we actually get to see Jess hire her for a stripper. And the criteria that she gives is, like, 
thank you for asking. Asian heritage would be a preference, and someone bendy with a heart of gold and a crotch of gold. And I was like, what are you doing, Jess? And also, I didn't feel like any of those criteria fit the person who actually showed up on the bus. Oh, definitely not. But like, yeah, she, I I thought that was really, it it was adorable at least to see her try to order the stripper. And at the end too, where she's like, thank you, Miss Fat Booty. You're the best. You know, she just sounded so happy and proud. And I mean, from the perspective of like calling and like being, I don't know, that's something that at least the same like reaction to it, I feel like is how I would approach it. I've never hired a stripper. I don't have any plans on hiring a stripper, but that would be my type of reaction. Like, yay, I hired my first stripper. Like, you know, it's just something that you can be like, I'm proud of myself for, for accomplishing this thing. But yeah, she, the, the description of the stripper to me was a little like, wait, like what, what are we ordering here? And like, this seems the concept of hiring a stripper seems weird to kind of order a person based on what they are and what they look like. But she at least did say a heart of gold. So she wanted a nice stripper. But I don't know. I mean, it's just, do you expect her to say anything less than a heart of gold? Like, it's almost like, um, she's like, it's like a -a Build-A-Bear, and she's like, I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and here is your custom stripper. Like, here you go, Jess. Oh my gosh. That is, like, such a great analogy for Jess. (laughs) Like, that's all she's doing. She, well, and then it's so cute because she follows that up with, like, well, okay, like, what next? Like, now she's in this, like, not life of crime, but, like, like, dirty, dark life. Like, okay, I've hired a stripper. Now I can do more things. And so she, she's trying to go get some, some, like, pot, essentially, and goes to her school where it's been confiscated and, and is trying to, like, look in the secret stash of, like, confiscated pot and weed. And you're just like, uh... Yeah, I think she did a really good job of, like, whatever research she did with the help of, like, Winston, and, like, she really channeled her inner Schmidt, and when she was at that school, she gets caught by her, like, I think, vice principal, and um, it's just, uh, she comes in, I think her name's Tanya in the episode, and she's just, like, really desperate to get invited to this party, and she's like, oh, I didn't think you'd be shopping at Confiscation Station, and it's like, she's like, oh, um, she tries to, like, fake getting just in trouble and she's like jk kidding jk kidding and i was just like just kidding kidding just kidding kidding <laughs> like she's and she's just so in this party yeah no that was that was really funny to me and and i just love the vice principal too that she was just like well i'm free friday but i can also make saturday or sunday work like she was just trying to like get herself invited to whatever the shindig was and also just like trying to like hang out with Jess because maybe she thought Jess was cool or like maybe Jess is appearing cool because she's trying to do this whole douchebag bit I don't know but um but yeah the JK kidding like wrecked me I I was laughing really hard at that like oh you tried (laughs) I think I had to stop the episode just take a second before I continued but so then they obviously start they surprise Schmidt so he has no idea that this party was happening and he comes outside kind of like with Jess covering his eyes and then there's a party bus if you can call it that I thought the party bus was really awesome actually that to me was like a really cool decked out party bus I mean it wasn't like the limo kind with a stripper pole or a love grotto like not super modern looking but really like eclectic and fun and I like that kind of bus to me like it was still a school bus but like was able to get everyone on it and was able to like have have them with their drinks or whatever they wanted and like you know I thought it was still a really cool looking bus so I think Jess knocked it out of the park with that one a hundred percent I like I I, I'm kind of giving her shit about it because it's a school bus but realistically like she had three days and she put all of that together that is like an insane amount of work I don't know it was kind of funny seeing that school bus like the cut scenes of that school bus driving by in the episode because it like had people hanging out the windows and like even when when Jess was like saying happy birthday and like getting them you know on the bus and like and whatnot and like surprising Schmidt there were the people outside and you know you saw Nick and Julia you saw um you saw like Winston and Winston walk up but then there were like two other people and you're just like and who are they and and I think we talked about this before is that like the people who have who say lines get paid differently in a tv show than people who don't so I'm sure like they just needed some extras to make it seem like Schmidt had this big huge party going on um but then I was I, I mean it did throw me off a little which I was like not expecting them all to talk but I was just like 
these are just some random people and it is not established that they are friends but here we are happy birthday schmidt like we're, we're moving forward i also felt like when they were outside or like the videos or the shots of them like driving with like you saying people hanging out they looked like a lot more people than when we actually went into the bus and it felt like more there was like 10 15 people in that bus which is why i was like kind of confused because it looked like there were like 30 people from the outside and then we went in and i was like oh okay like sure maybe that's what it was there's like maybe 15 maybe 20 you know yeah i don't know it just was it was cute though too at the beginning where where jess is at least bringing schmidt on the bus and she's explaining all the different stations and what she brought on the bus for him and she goes and there will be 50 dollars worth of semi-nudity <laughs> The poor stripper that she ordered comes and it's this old guy and it's a guy. It's not a girl. She's not Asian. Definitely like, I don't know, hardened crotch of gold TBD, I guess. But <laughs> it was, it was not really what Jess ordered. And he just like really wants to get what he is being paid for. Like, he's like, you know, like, this is what I came to do, like clear this aisle and stuff. And then he's like getting ready and he's like, yeah, I do great wet towel tricks and Schmidt's like who likes wet towel tricks and you know he just keeps going and just like please don't do this and please don't like I will pay you $50 to never strip and he's just like but what about tips that's where I make most of my living and you're just like okay she's like can you do anything else for money and apparently he is in the choir at his church and so that's what he does for money on this bus instead probably making less tips though but I I at least was really proud of Jess we had that whole moment earlier in the season and she was I think she really like said you know I'm gonna pay I can pay you money $50 to never show your penis and so we were like yay Jess you can say like you said penis like and it wasn't an issue and just rolled out off your tongue like no big deal so that was really fun to to just kind of see how that stayed continuous in the show completely agree I didn't actually catch that so that's kind of cool that they like have shown growth like in just like a little way like you don't really have to like call out the fact on the show but I think it's really cool that like it's something that we we being you noticed (laughs) yeah well and exactly I don't know it's so just cute little moment with Jess but then but then really with the um with the stripper on on the bus and you know the party is just going on and on and whatnot and Schmidt pulls him over to the side and I I don't know about you Pratika but I kind of thought it was just it was really weird really weird to see Schmidt potentially interested in being a stripper and like their whole little conversation like definitely was in there for like comedy I wonder like I wonder too if it was just kind of like off the tongue or something or just something that was um you know like if it was really written that way I don't know like some of the things they were saying I just am like are we saying this because this is funny are we saying this because it's um because it's like actual things that strippers and like people interested in stripping would talk about yeah, I don't know that I would have, like, a clear answer on that one either. It would be interesting to see, like, from, like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, but it would be interesting to see, like, what that, what the writer of the episode or, like, the director really was going for. But, like, some of the things that I think stood out to me the most is, like, Schmidt felt like he would, the, the stripper was mostly stripping for women, and he finds out that basically about 10% of the time it is a woman. Most of the time he's stripping for other men, and... The other thing that I think really stood out to me is like, you know, um, the stripper is sitting there like telling, asking him all these questions. And then he goes like, what's your persona? And Schmidt's like, like a cop or a fireman? He goes, no, not your character, your persona. Mine is Wolfhawk. And Schmidt's like, luxury, dessert, warrior poet. And you're like, I don't know if your persona is warrior poet, Schmidt. I think that's Schmidt's douchebag persona of himself. (laughs) Which is not Schmidt's persona. <laughs> not at all. Like, I, yeah, that's, I think that's part of the reason too, to me, that I just thought it was really weird that I'm just like, well, Schmidt, like, do you want to go be a stripper? Is that really your next thing? I think maybe he thought he could hook up with women, but like, even the stripper goes, you know, that's all. Oh, we only get like 10% ladies and, and the rest are dudes. And he's like, oh, you're stripping for dudes. Like, oh no, like, that's not really what I want to do. But yeah, I just, to me, it was just a little a little moment in this big party and also funny that he was spending time talking to the stripper when he had all his friends there and like could be talking to more people and just was a little a little moment that was that was odd but then I I mean 
really overall, I love Jess and I love Jess embodying douchebag life, if you will, for this. And she's, she's has her little megaphone that she's like helping like guide the party on. She's like emceeing the party, you know, essentially. And she's like, you say par, you say day, par day. And then she has a moment where she just goes, what am I doing? <laughs> and you're like, oh, sweetie. Like, I don't normally like feel that way about someone. Like, I'm like, oh, sweetie. But in that moment, you're just like, oh, Jess, like you're trying so hard and it's so appreciated by Schmidt. And you at the same time are at least cognizant of your own self to be like, I, what am I doing here? What is this? What is going on? Yeah. Like, I think another one of when she says, it's like, it's about to get bubonic up in here. We're going to the plague. And she's like, wait, it's just plague and you know she's trying and I and like you said I think the one key thing is it's really being appreciated like Schmidt is not taking for granted everything that Jess has put in to make his 29th birthday one of his best birthdays ever yeah no he he really appreciates it and and you can tell like the bus crashes and everyone's going home and they had to cut it short. They didn't quite make it to plague. So I guess they're all surviving, <laughs> but, um, but you know, Jess and Schmidt are, are waiting it out. They're sitting and waiting for their, for the toe to come. And, and Schmidt just has this moment and he goes 29. <laughs> like he's, maybe he was drunk or something. I don't know. I loved it. I loved that moment. I thought that was so funny. I love saying it. Is, is that, is that weird? I just go around now my house saying 29. <laughs> But, okay, so the other thing that I, I do want to make sure we touch on about this party, though, is last episode, we watched the Christmas party at Schmidt's office, and Cece shows up for that with a date, and, you know, in the past, we talked about, like, how, like, Cece only really shows up as Jess's friend, and she's not really at things, but in the last episode, she shows up to his office party, which means she's kind of, like, one of the gang, but she was not in this episode and you would think that if she's becoming one of the gang she would be at Schmidt's birthday party yeah and I I found that really surprising as well and like the fact that Jess's vice principal was able to like weasel her way in to this bus party but Cece didn't come and also like Cece too Schmidt and Cece have like exchanged a Christmas gift regardless of just going to the holiday party you know it's like the office party they he he gave her a Christmas gift and like he really cares for her and so if it was his birthday I'm really just surprised they wouldn't have even addressed like oh Cece was out of town for blah 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 like she couldn't make it like I think that would have been like that would have closed this loop and like made it so much more make more sense than like not even bringing her name up because even if she's not truly part of the gang yet, like she's still Jess's friend, Cece, Schmidt thinks Cece is good looking. And if Schmidt is all into that douchebag life, regardless of his feelings for Cece, Cece's a model. And Cece has all these model friends that like, I'm sure would make, would make Schmidt and Benjamin super jealous that Schmidt has all these friends that are models, you know, that I'm just like, this could have been like, you know, that would have like, to me, been more of like achieving the douchebag thing than like the stripper or the like half a pot cookie that the vice principal ended up bringing like where was cc just really sad that that wasn't addressed this episode yeah 100 percent. i didn't even think about the fact that she would bring friends and that's the whole party was impressed benjamin and that would have impressed benjamin yeah no totally well I will say too it was like after the party and like there's that whole moment too which like you know Schmidt is trying to kiss Jess so like that's the part that like this is the story of the 50 and like why it's called that they are making Schmidt pay $50 to the douchebag jar because of trying to kiss Jess but like I at least thought it was really cute at the end that they're hanging out in their PJs on the couch and they're all having like this moment together and it was like it's presumably like the next day or whatnot after the party and and it also too just how messy their apartment was I don't know if anyone else picked up on that I really love that it was like not always crystal or picture perfect and it was a little messy and they're just hanging out in pajamas and they're like okay cool like let's talk about how you're a douchebag Schmidt like you shouldn't have tried to do that I at least I really appreciated that moment yeah I think I think it shows that you know, this is a group of friends and like something like that doesn't have to ruin a friendship. It just, it's douchey and you should put money in the jar, but like you can still be a group and roommates and friends after all that. He was, but Julia, here we are, Julia, new character. And apparently Nick and Julia have been dating for a little bit of time. It's been, it said at the beginning, it was their classic fifth date. 
And I, at least I was like, wait, 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 fifth date, fifth date. When, when did this happen? Last episode, it was, it was the 23rd of December and you went to a holiday party. Then you went home to Chicago. And now somehow between then and, and January, mid January, you have met a girl and been on five dates with her, like, or four dates. And this was the fifth. I feel like, you know, if, if, it is not a lot amount of time, but, like, we also don't know if, like, when he went to the office party, maybe he'd already had a first date, but first dates aren't always that serious, and, like, okay, at a fifth date, it's pretty serious, so it's possible that they started before, and it's not, like, all of their dates had to happen after he got back from Chicago, but it is still pretty quick. Like, we were jumping right into an established situationship, at the very least. They do address it a little bit, though, because, like, you know, Julia's like, well, wait, like, are you married? Like, what? why can't I ever meet your friends or, like, or go to your place or something? And and I just, that made me laugh because I'm like, I think it made everybody laugh because you're just like, yeah, Nick's not married. And he's trying to say, no, I'm not married at all, but in a hot way. Like, I don't feel like you fully recovered from that, but hey, Julia's kind of into it. So, you know, maybe it's okay. Yeah, well, and 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 she's a like a lawyer too, which is interesting given that like Nick like dropped out of law school, and they kind of talk about that. Like, and he's like, "Oh, but the reason I quit is because I hate lawyers." And I'm and they're like, "And you said it to the lawyer," and you're just like, "Ooh," but you know, they played it off. They they were still kind of okay with it, but it just interesting to see Nick kind of try a little bit with with Julia and like especially with her being a lawyer, and that didn't actually like scare him off. But then you know, Nick eventually does take take Julia to his to the loft you know to to the apartment to meet the roommates and whatnot and and cute Jess was so so cute because she just goes welcome to our home and you know it kind of flashed me back to episode four where she gets caught in Nick's room when um, Amanda or Lake Bell was in there with Nick and she does the same thing like she welcomes everyone to her home in the same way which is like very authentic to Jess and I thought that was cute it was. It was super cute, super authentic, and you're just like, I don't know. Jess, Jess was really great, really great in this episode. I really did like her. But, um, you know, Winston then kind of steps in and invites her to the party, invites Julia, and she has this cute moment where she's like, is this more of a presence thing or, like, a donations to charity thing? And, you know, Winston's like, just just come to the party. Like, <laughs> it's for Schmidt. It's none of those things. So <laughs> just, just come to the party. It's a get drunk and have a great night with an asterisk of if you consider a great night, which Schmidt considers a great night party. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, what a, what a way to like have an invite. Like if you had an invite that had an asterisk, it's like, this may not be your idea of fun, but come to support the birthday person. Asterisk again, like just come. And, and in Julia's case, it would be come to support the birthday person because you're dating their roommate and you've never met them before. And this is your only chance to meet them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, especially when like, I don't know, I kind of got the sense from Nick that he was like embarrassed. Like he was, he too, like there were moments to me that Nick was honestly a little bit more douchebaggy, if you will. Or like, is that, is that a way to say that? I have no idea. If he was more of a douchebag to me at times than Schmidt was being in regards to Julia and like his image with Julia, because he was honestly trying to portray himself in such a way that was like, look at me, like I'm super cool. And I have like all these, like these friends, I'm not even friends with them. Like they're really dopey and like, I don't really like them. And you know, he, he even like starts explaining each one of them and why they're like not great. And I'm just like, what the heck Nick? Like, like, and he got mad at Winston for like even inviting her to the party. And you're just like, if you're going to keep going with this relationship, if it's already your fifth date and you're really interested in her, like she's going to need to meet and know your friends at some point. And they're really not that embarrassing of people. They're really not embarrassing of people, but I think Schmidt's party gives a, ref a representation of them that maybe isn't the most accurate. Like there are things like about your personality of when you're in your early twenties that maybe you don't relate to anymore and maybe are not proud of. Like he gets into like being outed about being like the bro juice creator and stuff. And like maybe that's something he doesn't really like find as a point of pride. But I also think like when he's explaining them to Julia outside the bus before they get on and go to on this actual party, he sits there and he's like, she's into it. She's like, yeah, your friends are great. But he still feels like he needs to put them down. And he goes, Schmidt's a D-bag, but not in a bad way. And Jess is a total nut. 
and then he gets to Winston, which I think is the most important because he's been friends with Winston since he was kids. And he goes, he's a competitive maniac who loves sister, sister, and is afraid of thunder. And then finds out that he's like Winston's behind him. And he says like, he's also one of my best friends. And it's a little harsher than it needs to be, you know, like even Schmidt and Jess, it's like, he's kind of defending them, but he doesn't really get there with Winston. Like he, it kind of goes in on him and it's kind of like, you know, they had this conversation a couple episodes ago where Winston was being extremely competitive with bells and, you know, Nick's like, you're fighting with children, like get, get it together. And I feel like he was kind of like not being a good friend in the sense that like he was supporting Winston and trying to like help him out of a bad situation previously. And now he's judging him for the exact same situation. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. And, and it just right before that moment too, that he's starting to like talk trash about all his friends and like put them down. Like he has that moment with Benjamin where like, he goes, well, I don't know who this guy is. And he goes, well, like, how's your family in Chicago? And he goes, they're good. They, they're healthy. Thanks for asking. You know, like, I thought that was so silly, but then you're just like, well, Nick, didn't you realize from that moment that like, you know, everyone on this bus and that you are going to like, you can preface like, Hey, like maybe they have the wrong idea about me or something, you know, like talk about yourself, but you can't talk these people down because like they know you and you like hanging out with them at some level. And like Winston, like we said, has been his friend since he was a kid. So you're just like, I don't know. Like it was a little weird that he was kind of trying that so hard and like forcing so much on Julia that he was like, not part of that scene you know and like but he is and even like practicing like I can understand if you're bringing a significant other especially a new relationship into a world where like you're like she's not going to know anybody else like she's just like making friends and meeting people for the first time even though she kind of met Winston and Jess I can understand wanting to give like a lowdown like maybe like explain how like you know Schmidt's kind of a d-bag and most more importantly his friends are d-bags and like this is not going to be the kind of party that you think but that didn't need to happen at the event like it could have happened before like I feel like in a lot of times like when people are introducing new relationships to their friends or vice versa like you kind of give a little bit of a debrief like hey don't talk about this or that or like this is like a really like this person's really interested in this because it helps them make that connection but you're not going to do that in front of that other person because it's just rude at that point it is it's rude well and it's kind of funny too because as it's going as it continues going on like the party you know nick is telling julia like wow like you're perfect like and that's probably part of the reason that he's like going off the deep end on like how he's better than all his friends or whatever but like he's trying to tell julian that she's perfect and julia's like no you know i'm not i'm not perfect and lo and behold like two minutes later you know for a good reason in a way but like she goes and she totally punches benjamin and you're just like what just happened like that came out of nowhere and then you know she turns around and she's like oh shoot like and then like sharing that she had anger management issues and Nick's face in that moment at least was just like the curtain like was moved you know and he could see that she wasn't this perfect person and his face was just so cute that it was so bug-eyed like who are you (laughs) I at least laughed really hard at that I thought that was pretty great and you know it was like kind of a shock to all the viewers too because you see her get up and she's like I'm a lawyer let me talk to you let me and you're like okay this is gonna be like really like she's gonna lawyer him it's gonna be like okay you can't do xyz like you need to get off this bus and then bam she punches him and you're like oh and then like you know she's like sitting with Nick and they're kind of like debriefing all this and she talks about like how she knows all this stuff because she takes martial arts to feel more zen and I was like I can understand that for some people maybe not for you well exactly well and and just how it was court ordered it wasn't court it wasn't court ordered martial arts but it was court ordered anger management classes or courses she kind of like, and when she explains it, she kind of goes like, oh, like I take these like, you know, these courses, well, they're court ordered. And like, you know, it's for anger because I have to. And she like kind of like sprinkles in all her things like as she's talking. But, you know, he's kind of into it. And like, he's not really like happy that he's into it, but he's like, yeah, I still really like you. And she's like, yeah, just go for it. Just go with it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So I guess cute for them to end up like, 
kissing and making out at the end and, and like going home, you know, and they leave this party together. So I just, I, I mean, good for them to kind of see where this goes next. And I guess good for them too, to have made it to this step in their relationship in a way at some level to realize that they can meet each other's friends and meet, um, and, and like get a little bit more understanding with each other. So that kind of brings us to our Schmidisms part of the podcast. And this entire episode, this entire episode was just a real big Schmidism, right? Like, right, everyone is nodding their heads, I know. Because it was Schmidt. It was his birthday. And so they they made it all Schmidtified. That's a that's a term. Schmidt is just a verb now, or like a noun. It's everything. We we kind of did a little different this time, but the first Schmidism that we have is the scene where, you know, he's 29 and he says the 29 that I like. And Kritika now is going to be Schmidt, of course, and she's going to read through and I will be just responding. I'm 29, folks. What's up? 29? 29? Can you please not tell anybody I just did that? That feels embarrassing. Actually, you know what? I don't care what people think. Do you think I care too much about what people think, Jess? Maybe a little bit. Maybe. Adorable, Schmidt. <laughs> Thank you, Kritika. <laughs> and then Schmidt leans in to kiss Jess, and like we said, that's where the whole $50 that he needs to put in the douchebag jar comes up. And she gets really awkward, runs, like, kind of, like, scoots away, and then she just keeps yelling jar, which I love that it's, like, you don't have to be in the house to incur jar charges. Yeah, our second Schmidtism in this episode is actually going to be a little different because in this episode, they had a lot of cutscenes, especially at the end, to all the different reasons that Schmidt has had to put money in the jar and like everyone's yelling jar, jar and like the amounts and everything. And Critique and I, I mean, there were a few other moments too that were just in this episode that were not like official jar moments, but we both picked our favorite um douchebag jar item because while they were sure douchebaggy or like time to put something in the jar was still quite funny um so mine was uh the one I chose was just really when Jess is taking him out of the loft to like see the bus and surprise him and she goes like or and she's just like Jess what are you doing I'm making an egg yellows omelet and the shallots and gouda are gonna congeal and I just Oh, Schmidt, like egg yellows, egg yellows omelet. That's like a first, right? I've never, never heard of that. And like, even from more of a health perspective, like, why is that a thing? And then the shallots and gouda, like going to congeal, like, I mean, we can do at least know he likes cooking from the Thanksgiving episode, but I thought this was just such a funny way, such a Schmidt way to say, you know, like, oh my gosh, like my food. (laughs) And like, we don't really even come back to what happened with the food because they leave. So hopefully like they didn't burn their apartment down. Well, it probably just would have congealed, actually. <laughs> it's going to th- throw it out. I don't know. Yeah, probably, since he's pulling it out. But um, my favorite moment was actually, or my favorite moment that we would consider Schmidtism was actually when he walks in in a, like, muscle tank top and, like, his hat uh, pushed to the side, and he looks like he's, like, coming off the set of, like, Jersey Shore or something like that, and you know, Nick just yells, jar, and he's like, what? I didn't even say anything. And it's just so great because Schmidt doesn't even have to talk to to earn jar charges and I just thought that was hilarious yeah there's so much I mean there is definitely at times not only in that outfit where just Schmidt walking into any situation is just automatically like oh no what is he gonna pepper into the situation Schmidt so not in 2020 we just wanted to talk about how at the lawyer party um that Nick and Julia attend as one of their dates. They actually start to do Bill Cosby impressions and they riff off of it. And it's a theme that has like a couple instances in that scene where they can come back to it. Now we know that Bill Cosby, who was an American comedian, uh, most known for the Cosby show, which is what's used in the impressions that they're doing, was found guilty in 2018 of three counts of aggravated indecent assault. This is something that we felt was not a great thing to age in the, uh, the show this came out in 2012 so like we said he wasn't found guilty until 2018 and I think some of the counts didn't become public until 2014 so this was something that the creators of New Girl didn't know when this episode was written and put out into the world but it's something we definitely wanted to highlight as a not in 2020. Yeah and I actually read um, some articles that were written right 
after this episode had aired and and again still before all of this news and and knowledge of this happening with Bill Cosby and even the write-ups then were kind of like well that moment was maybe a little unneeded and kind of really awkward and like maybe didn't actually work for the episode then even and so to me watching it through like not only was it like a weird moment in the episode and like moment between the two of them the fact that it was Bill Cosby impressions was like a double cringe and like a double like oh and it kind of like just really sat uncomfortable with with us and with me and and it kind of for me I, I've seen before too how you know as as things have gone on like there's artists and and, and different things that maybe have kind of gone back to edit through um to edit through their their material to say you know like well we said something inappropriate before or this was un, not okay before and like maybe they remove it or rewrite it in such a way and and for me if if this episode somehow like if just those like couple couple minutes of, of Nick and Julia having this little like Bill Cosby impression moment was removed I don't know that it, the scene would have lost any of its integrity and we would have lost any of the like character building between Nick and Julia it was just like a moment that they was this was included because it was like for comedy and for like trying to like have a funny moment between the two of them showing that they're kind of weird showing that they're quirky too and I don't know to me I feel like they're they're at some at some level it's like well this is how it was originally done it was done in 2012 it was before like we've said any of this was known but then there is also like that accountability factor of like well this is it's not okay what Bill Cosby did and even he was only charged for so much of it but like there was so many more things you know like it's not okay what he did and we how it comes into to new girl is just not super needed so I don't know that's kind of my take I agree and I think like like you said it's it's put onto this episode to show that Julia is like into weird things in the sense that things that maybe aren't conventionally like flirting are something that she is okay with or like that works for her and it it's not integral to the story it doesn't really set that much like you're saying and I think it could be taken out and I think we've seen a lot of shows go and really take a hard look at their own content and we've seen a lot of shows take out episodes entirely um, even if it does impact the overall flow of the story they're just not okay to continue in today's media and so I think it's something that if New Girl were to in the future change this up either take this out or remove this episode while it's something that you know it was a fun episode outside of this moment um, I would understand if New Girl took that stance. I would too. And I, I at least would have been interested. And that's maybe part of the reason I, I did some extra research on, on, you know, how did people view this in 2012? Or like, what was this being talked about? And I honestly didn't even find any articles that like, it was ever even looked at, you know, because it could, I feel like it would have like, if they, if they reviewed it and said, no, you know what, maybe the writers and like Elizabeth Merweather determined, you know, we're going to keep this in noting that like, what had happened, but like, it's almost like just a forgotten piece and which it is such a small moment. It's such a small moment. And that's very, very true. But it's like these small moments add up, you know, and like, it's just not, not in 2020, like something to look at. Agreed. Um, the other thing that we noticed is, um, when Benjamin comes up and starts talking to Schmidt, he says like, what's up N word to indicate Nick. And again, another really small moment, but it's not really a good joke either. Like it didn't sit well with us. It didn't sit well with Nick. Um, I know personally, I felt pretty uncomfortable hearing that. And I didn't feel like it had really a good comedic purpose. Yeah, I same, same. That's another one of those moments that like maybe even like, well, definitely in 2012, it was, it was kind of on the line then. And I feel like it's just even over, like slightly just over the line now. And it's just not, you're just like, Benjamin, like, we already don't like your character. You don't have to add to that. Like, you know, it's just another one of those things where, it, like, maybe it's something that says, what's up, you know? And, um, I mean, Nick responds, like, you know, don't call me that, you know, he was, he shot it down. But that's another moment that, like, could that be updated? Yeah. And um, like Kelly said, Benjamin's someone who you know, we, we already don't like. And so another not in 2020 for him is how we, how he approached his um, need to have sex with Jess. And so like, he's talking to Schmidt and he's asking Schmidt, like, are you hitting that? And he's like, 
Jess, no. And Benjamin's like, well, then I think I'll help myself to sex with your friend. And when Schmidt protests and basically says, no, don't do that. Benjamin's like, well, I can, I can, and I will. And he kind of badgers Jess. Like, I don't know the way he approached it. Like, it's one thing if you say, okay, I'm attracted to your friend and I'm going to see if she's interested in me too. But this seems so forceful. Well, and, and then like, not agree with you. I agree with you on that. Like this interaction at first when, you know, Schmidt's having this moment and it was like such a weird moment because Schmidt's having that moment where he's like, well, it's my last year, my twenties, you know, and that's, and then Benjamin cuts in with this, but then even when on the bus, he goes and sits next to Jess, you know, she's like hunching away. She is very visibly like, I'm not interested. And that's when he says the statement to like, oh, well, if you um, like leave the zero and get with the hero, my penis, you know, and she's like, ew, you know, not part of that. But really, he wasn't leaving her alone. And the only thing like even Schmidt came over to say, hey, Benjamin, like, again, like he came over on the bus, be like, you know, it's not cool. Like, leave her alone. She's not interested. Like, it's fine. Like, move on. And he was not letting go of it. Benjamin wasn't letting go of it. And only, only when Julia comes over to punch him in the face, does he like truly stop his pursuit, if you will, of Jess. And you're just like, he, he seemed a little too committed. Like you said, it was a little forceful and it was a little too committed to making that happen. And like, everybody had to get up because Schmidt comes over, then Winston comes over, and, and Nick comes over and it's if it takes that many people for you to learn no there's a problem yeah I I agree I agree with that um and then really one other one other moment in this episode was was I mean they had the moment where Schmidt is singing the like we built this Schmitty you know and that he lets on like in the flashback scene you know it's like they're both singing it they're both really into it but then in the in the current scene um Benjamin's like oh we made them sing that because or we made him sing that because he was fat and then it's like it's just Schmidt's birthday and like you you were singing it along too and it's just not really the kind of thing that you need to like do and be at this at that person's birthday party like that kind of sucks like that's just I don't know and it's not something that like I think is like ever okay to make fun of someone because of their body shape but I think that like it's even highlighted from Jess's perspective because that's the audience's perspective in this episode for that scene because he starts singing it because Benjamin's like sing your birthday song so it's not just that it's a song he says it's his birthday song and he starts singing it he's like we built this schmitty and Jess starts you know joining in we built this schmitty and she goes on rock and realize that Schmidt's actually singing on Tootsie Rolls and you can see her face fall because she's like Schmidt like you deserve better than this yeah, it's it's not okay, and it's and especially not okay on your birthday. And like and like, it would be one thing if like Benjamin sang along too, and like maybe it was originally created about like if it like Benjamin and the bat old days was doing it because he was like doing it to kind of shame Schmidt a little bit about his body size. If today Benjamin sang along too, or like or if today like in the episode Benjamin sang along too, then it almost is like well now it's just our inside joke thing from college. Like then it's just kind of fun. But he just didn't sing along, and he made the point to say, no, we were making fun of you, by the way. And you're just like, and it seemed like that was the first time Schmidt maybe was even hearing that. Because why would Schmidt want to even sing the song if he's like, eh, no, like, I know you're making fun of me, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. Schmidt didn't really realize that before either. And I think, but I do think, like, when Benjamin's singing it, he's not singing, we we built this Benjamin, right? He's saying we built this Schmitty. So even if he's singing it, it's not targeted at himself. So... I think more of also, like, when you're younger, yeah, you do and say some stupid things. It's never excusable, but it's it's more commonplace. Whereas, like, you're 29, 30 years old, there is no reason a 29-year-old should be acting that way. Yeah, agreed. And need them need them to just grow up a little bit. So moving into a little bit of a lighter topic with pop culture, um, the first pop culture reference that we wanted to talk about was Sister, Sister. So this comes up when... Nick is kind of bashing Winston for his taste and like who he is to Julia. And he, he says that Winston loves sister, sister. And I am obsessed because I loved the show growing up and I'm actually currently watching the show unrelated to this podcast because it hit Netflix a few weeks ago. And, you know, a little bit about the show, like Tia and Tamara Mari are the actresses on the show and they actually play characters named Tia and Tamara on the show. And the premise of it is that there are 
they're twins, Tia and Tamara, and they were estranged at birth and adopted into two different families, and they get reunited at the age of 14, and they actually didn't know that they were uh, part of a twin, and so it's about their life as they go through. It has about six seasons, um, and I was really excited, like I said, when this hit Netflix, and this has been part of a couple different comedies that Netflix has been adding um, that are centered around Black stories from the 80s and 90s, so shows like Moesha and Girlfriends, and like I said, Sister, Sister, so it's nice to see some of the things that are from maybe earlier that we uh, don't go back to all the time now coming up just like shows like friends are on netflix or other streaming channels so our other pop culture reference uh was frankie muñez so he uh was discovered at age eight actually at a north carolina talent show um and and he was in a local production of a christmas carol so his breakout role as many probably remember him is from malcolm in the middle and that was really um it was a really long running show and series. It was on for quite a long time. Um, but then he, uh, like at one point actually suffered from, um, a mini stroke and has had some significant memory loss. So he doesn't even remember playing Malcolm and Malcolm in the middle. Um, I found that really shocking and couldn't even believe it, but I, I guess we kind of found that out. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy that like, you can lose such a significant portion of your life. Obviously, like Kelly said, this is a show that went on for some time. And especially with it being his breakout role, I'm sure it had some significance, extra significance to it prior. And um, it's really unfortunate that he had to go through this experience and doesn't have as much, uh, or has some memory loss from it. Uh, the other like quick facts about him that we thought were kind of cool is he actually just bought a, a shop called Outrageous Olive Oils and Vinegars and runs that with his wife, um, Paige Price, who he actually married earlier this year in February of 2020. Yeah, so that's, I mean, kind of exciting. And and it's one of those people that I'm, like, we heard it, I heard it referenced in this episode and was like, oh yeah, Frankie Munoz, what happened to him, you know? So it was kind of, kind of interesting to, like, spend some time and, and see where he, what he's up to. And I feel like I'm definitely going to take a look at those outrageous olive oils <laughs> see what that's about I I think like the one that really stood out for me which I know we didn't really mention is like agent Cody Banks like that was oh my gosh I love that movie so much so good like I I'm hands down here for that so um that was the one that really stood out to me that I know we didn't really mention either yeah no Frankie I mean all I mean I think I mean we were kids when he was a kid and so he was like a real big star when when we were growing up so yeah good to, good to see that he he has got married and is in Seems like he's enjoying life, doing good things. Um, so that does bring us into our guest stars segment of, of our podcast. And so this one, there's actually, I mean, there's a, quite a bit of new characters and new guest stars, if you will, or like new, but also just like, you know, some new faces that um, are, are pretty popular. But we're only going to focus on on two this episode because some of them do come back in, in future episodes. Um, but first, we're going to focus on Matt Besser. And he played the stripper um, with the coach jacket and whatnot. Uh, he has, um, you know, he is an, uh, an American actor, comedian, director, and he's actually best known for being one of the founding members, one of the four founding members of the Upright Citizens Brigade, which uh, that is a comedy sketch troupe. So it's like a really big uh, improv, you know, powerhouse and they and they do different like sketches and and whatnot and he he um helped found that which I thought was like like really crazy like I I feel like I didn't know who the founders were before but I've definitely heard of the upright citizens brigade and like it's very prominent in launching a lot of different um like stars careers um that you would know and, and whatnot um he also had a show on comedy central from like 1998 to 2000 that was his own um sketch show um so I thought that was really cool. That's where I thought too, I guess I was kind of having that realization that maybe that scene that he's having with Schmidt is almost like a riff on the fact that he has this improv background and maybe some of that was like impro improvised and, and kind of came together in that way. That would make a lot of sense to me, but that's just me speculating. But Matt, Matt Besser also um, was just recently folk, uh, featured on a pot a podcast that they call a podcast uh, called Smoke Me Up. Um, and he has recently done comedy bits. His most recent comedy bits have been related to pot. And he does have his own website and has a link to all the recent things he's been in. So uh, if you want to check out Matt Besser, that's maybe the way to do it. That's interesting that his like podcast and stuff is related to pot when this episode like, you know, 
Jess was trying to get grass and jazz cigarettes and things like that. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, I also noticed that like in some of the TV shows he's been in, um, like the two that stood out to me that I've seen before are Fresh Off the Boat and Modern Family. So kind of cool that like it's in some more recent things that are popular as well. Yeah, no, for sure. He 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 makes the rounds, I feel like, and, and is, and is in a lot of different things, either in a bit character or in the background. And our second um, guest star in this episode of course, was Benjamin, played by David Nair. Um, Benjamin, or like David Nair, from what I could tell on the internet, is nothing like his character Benjamin. So just wanted to state that for the record. Don't, I know we all, I know we all do it at times where we're like, oh my gosh, I see that person and I think this character. David Nair is not that person. So definitely. Well, that's a relief. Yeah, no, it is a relief. And, and it's just very, he seems very genuine. He recently, or he's married. It seems he recently had a baby and, you know, is working on like building his house, you know, like doing house projects and just kind of doing that everyday thing that, that everyone um, is probably doing on their own, you know, just having a family hanging out. Um, But some other, other things he's been in, I think, critique you've seen a lot of of the shows he's been in yeah so he's been in community and ap bio and then he was also doing some like voice acting in the movie monsters university which is awesome um and then a tv show that he didn't have a lot in but i did uh watch and really enjoy felt it was canceled a bit too early was uh no tomorrow so that's another thing that like stood out on his uh page of things that i recognized yeah well and and he's one of those people for me too that like i guess similar to matt besser that I feel like I've seen him before and I like, I recognize him. And when I do see him in these, in a couple things, but um, I mean, really not, not, I hadn't seen like no tomorrow or any of that, but like, I at least appreciate David there and that, you know, he just is a genuine actor. So Another thing that's interesting about David Nair is that when he auditioned for New Girl, he actually auditioned for the role of coach, which was selected by Damon Wayne Jr. And I don't know why I'm having so much trouble saying his name today, but he um, wasn't in the show after the pilot because his show, Happy Endings, got picked up for a second season, which wasn't expected at the time when he auditioned. And the reason that David Nair kind of fit the part for coach, because obviously physically they don't really look the same, um, was that Elizabeth Merriweather had explained that her original plan for coach was for him to be a fat Jewish guy, like a man child. But then that, that, um, archetype or like what that character was going to be changed to a dumb jock with crazy rage problems so David Nara didn't really get the part for that but they obviously still saw him as someone who could be valuable to New Girl and that's how he ended up with the role of Benjamin yeah that's really interesting that's that's cool to kind of get that backstory one another thing for me that um I thought was a little fun in this in this episode or something to at least kind of like note was I was really curious when Schmidt's birthday was and um, my birthday's in January. And so I wanted to see if his birthday was like near mine, the same as mine, like what officially was Schmidt's birthday? I didn't really like, that's not something, I mean, as we watch, we'll kind of, you know, maybe know where all the, all the main stars birthdays are and like when they try to celebrate that in the show, but then it really couldn't find anything on the internet. So if, if anyone feels, I mean, what I did see was that someone said his birthday was in July, but that wouldn't make sense from when this episode is airing currently, or like when this episode came in the season one. We also read online somewhere that like he said at some point that he's a Sagittarius, but that also wouldn't make sense because being a January birthday myself, January birthdays are mostly Capricorns. And if anything, I think their Pisces is next after Capricorn. So I... It's a, is it not it's, it's Aquarius next but yeah Aquarius yes okay sorry see I'm maybe is that a Capricorn thing all you horoscope people out there to only know my own self but um but it uh it, I don't know personal interest I'm really interested to know when Schmidt's birthday is um maybe we should all do some internet sleuthing some more um and try to get to the bottom of this so from there, going into our ratings and ranking section, um, so this episode, when it first aired, had 6.97 million viewers in the U.S., which is actually more than episode 9, so it seems like coming back at that mid-season rate bumped up the viewership a little bit, and IMDb gave this show or gave this episode a rating of 7.8 out of 10. For me, this was actually closer to like an 8.5. Um, I really enjoyed this episode. I think Schmidt's one-liners really made a lot of it for me, and 
while that wasn't a significant chunk of the episode itself, like there were a lot of quick successions, especially at the end of like compilations of things that earned the douche, douchebag jar money. Um, I still really enjoyed getting to see that. And then also seeing like a little bit of growth from characters like Schmidt. Yeah, that, I mean, makes a lot of sense. And I, and I hear, and I, I support that, that analysis of it. For me, it was more of an eight out of 10, a little bit lower. I, I really enjoyed just like everything that happened and what Jess was doing and like they were supporting each other and just kind of the hilarious hilarity that ensued with like the stripper being a guy and you know Julia punching Benjamin like what is happening I mean there maybe got docked down a little bit for me though um or what docked it down was just kind of the cringy moments with with Benjamin and just like kind of overall this episode just a lot of little moments that like the douchebag stuff for me is like it's funny and I like it but then it's also like Uh, you know like maybe not my favorite part of the whole thing um yeah but that said my favorite character is Jess and I loved Jess in this so so much because she um she just went over and above trying to just be the best friend that she could be you know and that I will never stop appreciating I really wholeheartedly appreciate Jess's like how genuine she is, how much she cares for her friends, how much like Schmidt was so sad and all she wanted to do was cheer her up. So I, I'm really a big fan of, of Jess. What about you, Kritika? I think for me, like I said, the character growth of Schmidt was a big one. I really enjoyed watching him stand up to Benjamin and be okay with the fact that maybe Benjamin's not going to like him. I think he actually even says at some point, like Benjamin was never going to really appreciate it the way he wanted it to. So to me, like, even though he, like, tries to kiss Jess, Schmidt's my favorite character because I felt like he could finally go from here to maybe being a better guy and being less douchey about everything. So we'll see if that actually happens. Um, but I thought this was kind of a pivotal one for – pivotal episode for Schmidt. Yeah. No, that's totally good point. Good point. Well, that brings us to the end of the main part of our content uh, for this episode. We really do appreciate you taking the time to listen. And if you enjoyed it, found it interesting, have any feedback, information, please give us a rating or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We can also, uh, we also would love if you send us an email at who's that girl pod at gmail.com or feel free to just like follow us, like us on Instagram or Twitter at who's that girl pod. Um, so now if you don't want to hear about some future analysis, future storylines, um, we are going to break away for our spoilers. So we always start the spoiler section by talking through our end game couples, but there's really not a lot to talk about with Jess and Nick or Schmidt and Cece because Cece wasn't even in this episode. So that was easy. Um, and with Jess and Nick, while they were both in the episode and interacted a few times it really wasn't relevant to anything like the closest I could see was just um Jess welcoming Julia to their home like I didn't feel like there was anything else there well and yeah exactly and and Nick being with Julia really there wasn't really signs right now of Jess and Nick getting together and I don't know I will say on on both of these relationship focuses I was kind of bummed because we came off this holiday episode where Jess and Nick seemed like they were going to at least have more conversation, the two of them and get more together, you know, maybe not get together this episode, but like kind of explore that a little more and not having Cece there. I was like, we already kind of talked about that in this episode, but you're just like, there was so much potential, you know, like where, where was Cece? So, uh, kind of what critique said there, zero out of tens for both of those, but with the douchebag tracker, so much content, right? So much content in this in this episode for for Schmidt. Um, but really, you know, Schmidt wasn't a complete douche. I don't know. Like, even though that's the whole premise and focus of this episode, he was not he was not all that bad, if you will. Yeah, like I think there were a lot of interactions that were positive, especially for a lot of the stuff that Schmidt was with Jess. And I think you know we talked about this in previous podcasts too, but like. When you ignore everything Schmidt does on purpose and see what he does by accident, that's where you can see his genuine side. So I feel like there were a lot of things that he did in this episode that were douchey, like like Kelly said, but also a lot that weren't. So we kind of had to split this right in the middle, give it a 5 out of 10, where he's 
you know, halfway there to being a genuine guy. And um, like I mentioned in my favorite character section, I hope he does get there and that this episode starts to be a moving point. But I think we all know it doesn't actually start this early for him to really become the guy he is by the end of the season, uh, by the end of the show. Yeah, by the end of the whole series. Yeah, makes total sense. But yeah, some other some other spoilers that we noted on is at least with the introduction of Julia, the next episode is actually like Jess v. Julia in a way, like Jess and it's called Jess and Julia. But it's that whole scene where, you know, Jess has her like, I have baby animals on my checks, you know, and she's just trying to tell Julia off in a way for like, standing up for herself being how quirky that she was. And also, um, and also like Julia being that like tough loyal lawyer person with like the anger issues. So like they really are um they really are kind of they're going to explore that and that's what's going to come in this next episode. And speaking of the next episode, we hope you're going to check back in with us next week to actually listen to Jess and Julia. And until then, thank you so much for spending some of your week with us listening to Who's That Girl. We always love to hear feedback and ratings in Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. So please reach out. And as always, you can get send us an email at whosthatgirlpod at gmail.com. And we are on Twitter and Instagram at whosthatgirlpod. Thanks again. Thanks.